Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris Age Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're honored for the fourth time we have back with us, Chris Strickland. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Ron, it's going great. Can't wait for this interview. You, you know, Chris is my favorite. So let me, uh, like our audience doesn't need any introduction to him, but let me... Uh, not do his bio any justice. Chris Strickland is a retired Air Force colonel and the award-winning best-selling co-author of Survivor's Obligation, which we talked to him about right after it came out on episode 262. And his latest book is Aiming Higher, A Journey Through Military Aviation Leadership. He retired after 23 years of service and he's a combat decorated fighter pilot. Chris, welcome back to the Soul of Enterprise for the fourth time. Thank you, sir. It's always an honor to sit down and spend some time with you. And it's so motivational to talk about what we get the opportunity to talk about here and our friendship across the years. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I know you love that Jim Rohn line that you are the average of the five people you spend time with. And since this is your fourth time, Chris, I hope we're not bringing down your average. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what we're going to talk about today is that line and how it inspired what I call an accidental book that we didn't mean to write. Yeah, you know, in May this year, you published Aiming Higher, A Journey Through Military Aviation Leadership. You co-authored it with four other Air Force pilots. And uh, I love the epigraph. Some wake up to an alarm, others wake to a calling. Find yours. What's your book That is one of my favorite lines in the entire book. And for a little bit of background, as you look back, if I remember right, I think the last time we were all together was around 2019. And then we all went through something that happened in the world that kind of broke us up. Um, And during that time, not getting to spend time with people, not being able to feed off similarly motivated people like like myself and you and Ed, when we get together, we always fire each other up. And there was something missing. And so some military people, some friends of mine, we all were mentoring each other on phone calls. And it is kind of what we call peer mentorship. There's not a mentor and a mentee. We're all similar level people that just help each other out, serve as something to, to bounce ideas off each other and motivate each other. And as we were doing this every month, it started evolving into mentoring other people as we're all transitioning out of the military now and how we mentor other people. And so we decided to talk about the top three things we mentor in other people to grow each of us. And when we did that, we, we felt something click. And we all wrote down the top three things we each mentor, put it together. And that's why I say we accidentally wrote a book. This was just us mentoring each other, but it emerged into something that we said, this is something other people can use as a seed to start their mentorship, to start their growth. And in no way, you know, you've been with me for years now. In no way do I think I have the answers. Do any of these authors think they have the answers? What we do have is incredibly critical thinking ideas to spark growth and imagination in other people. And that is how Aiming Higher started. 
That's fantastic. Well, it's a wonderful book. And look, when it comes to leadership books, I'm a real skeptic from the business world. But from a military perspective, I think there's a lot to learn from the military. And, you know, you say it throughout the book. I've always believed leadership is a noun. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a verb, not a noun. And it's an it's not an identity. It's an action. How do you define leadership, Chris? Leadership is defined with the people you're trying to lead at the very moment. And I will tell you, I just taught a leadership class this morning over in the construction side of the house. And I told them, you have to be the leader that that group needs on that project on that day. And uh, that's the reason there's so much consulting out there in leadership. That's the reason there's not one universal definition of leadership. And what I always tell leaders is the value of your leadership is not where the company, where the team is when you exit. I used to tell military people, the true value of your leadership is going to be found 10 years after you leave, when you're sitting on the front porch with a cup of coffee, and you're watching the people you mentored lead in your place. And if you're successful, they better be much better than you ever were, because your job is to give them a higher launching platform, to give them more capability, let them learn from your lessons learned so that they can evolve into the next definition of leadership for the future. I love that. I mean, you guys say that leadership, you have followers, and then it's about succession, and it's measured by the successful performance of those successors. I love that. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, one, I'll tell you, one of the aspects of uh, Cujo, Robert Teshner's part, is he always says, every person on the team has to lead every day. Even though we all have to be followers first, the purpose of a high-performing team is at any time, any one of them can be asked to step forward and lead that team in that mission. And if each and every member of our team is thinking like a leader, we will be a much higher performing team at the end of the day. And I have to say, Chris, I think a lot of companies fail at this. If you look at some of the successors that they put up as CEO or whatever, and then the company kind of loses its way, it's a big issue. It is a big issue, and it's a universal one. Like we were talking as we were leading up to going live here today, I truly believe leadership is a universal skill. And whether you're leading in the military, out of the military, in the sage world, out in Palo Alto or anywhere around the world, or in construction, the set of skills that make you a successful leader are universal. It's just the actions of your company that change. Because inherently, the first step of growing as a leader is to take a look in the mirror to find out what you do well, what you don't do well, and take a hard look at how you need to grow each and every day. You know, the business world spends a lot of time, a lot of ink has been spilled writing books about leadership, leadership training, and it's pretty, I don't know, it seems to be more fables than facts. It seems to be more hope over reality. Uh, why is the military so good at producing leaders relative to the business world, in your opinion? The military, in my opinion, is good at this. It's what they excel at. I used to joke when I was in the military is, in my opinion, our U.S. military is the best in the world at creating leaders, yet we send our leaders to outside sources to get other pieces. We send them to Harvard. We send them to the University of North Carolina. We even send some leaders to the Disney Institute to learn. The reason we are so successful in the military is because our whole heart is in it. My goal for performing at my best level is not about me. It's about not letting the two of you down. 
It's about when we go into the battle, the effort, the project, whatever we're working on, I know each of you are going to bring your A game. And my driving factor is I have to be as good as possible so that neither of you two are disappointed. If we're all thinking like that, we're, we're driving each other to a higher performance than we ever would have individually, than we ever would find in a low-performing civilian team where we don't care about each other. It's about loving one another. And I mean the universal, I appreciate the efforts you bring in, you appreciate the ones I bring in, and together we're going to drive each other to higher levels of performance. Yeah, that is so true. You know, you, I want to ask you about uh, wingman culture that you talk about in the last chapter, but you're right. I mean, when you have a team that performs that way, it's not additive, it's multiplicative, right? I mean, you it guys, is. It, it's amazing. Um, your co-author, Robert, is it Robert Teschner? Yes, Cujo's his call sign. Cujo, okay. He talks about embracing failure and he it presents the concept of psychological safety. An, uh, an environment of rewarded vulnerability. Um, and he claims or says the highest performing teams have this being vulnerable builds relationships and trusts that that's a really hard thing. I think for most people to get their head around being vulnerable, especially in the it, business it is. world. And, and I will tell you to take it at another extreme, not just counting the business world, but think about fighter pilots. We are not known as vulnerable individuals. We are not known as soft, cultured people who will open up and share our feelings with one another. And, and I love one of my favorite quotes in that chapter you just alluded to is that he says, in order to embrace failure, we must leave ego by the wayside and absolutely have to learn to get over ourselves and get out of our own way. Think about the power of that quote. More often than not, we stand in our own way because we're not willing to take a hard look inside to admit where we failed, and to go grow from those failures, right? In the military, we say the goal is to fail quickly and to fail forward. Because if I'm going to fail, if something's not going to be a success, I want to know as soon as I come out of the certain gate, if not before. Therefore, I can change and redirect that effort, money, time, whatever it is, into a winning process as we go. But I love that because he truly believes that failure is not all bad, and in actuality, mostly all good. Chris, do you think that psychological safety, I know we've talked about the debrief and the lessons learned, especially with respect to your last book. Do you think that's what builds this culture of, of that? It is. It, it is. And I'm a huge believer, as, as Cujo is, in psychological safety. And I'll tell you, one of the first things he challenged me to do is to go get certified in psychological safety. And I'm never going to be in a consultant in it. But he said, if you understand it at the level to teach it, it will help you in every part of your life. And I did. And that was from his recommendation. We have to have a peer group. You look across any organization, the CEOs have peers where they can open up, share inside information and trust that that psychological safety, it'll be kept confidential to help them grow. And, you know, especially in the area that Ed and I work in, the professional services firms, they're perfectionist cultures, as I would, you know, like I know fighter pilots are. How, how do you embrace this vulnerability in a perfectionist culture? The way you do it is you have to create an environment of debrief. You have to create a culture of debrief where name and rank and title are left at the door. And the way we teach fighter pilots to do it, and no, more often than not, we do this on Friday afternoon in the bar. And it will go with stories of what I've learned this week. And it usually comes from a failure 
of a, this happened to me. And the way we teach that is the reason you share these stories is because it may save somebody else's life. It's not about you keeping it to yourself. It's about you opening up and being vulnerable with what you learn so that the person beside you doesn't have to learn the same hard lessons you do and you will make them even better. And it seems I, I, I look back on my career and I would have never wanted it to admit a mistake because I would have thought it's going to inhibit my progress, my pay, promotion, status, all of that. But that's not how it's viewed in the military. It is not how it's viewed in all of the military. There are still pockets of it. And there's, I see it now that I'm in civilian world. There are company cultures that are like that, more of the punishment. But I'll tell you what I told my team here this week. I don't need people who play not to lose. I need people to play to win. And that's something we can unpack here in a minute because it takes a little bit more than we have going into the break here. But the culture of playing to win is completely different than people who play not to lose. Right. Well, Chris, at the air show I was at, where I saw the Thunderbirds here in California, the, the Snowbirds were there, and it was the first time I saw them. And after they landed, they did a debrief right there on the tarmac. And the announcer even announced it. And it was like four minutes or five minutes, but I was so impressed that they just huddled together and talked about what just happened up there. In the just, open, in front of 100,000 people. Sorry, guys, we got to learn from something. And, and, and they, you know, they paused the whole air show for that. I, I just thought that was amazing. And then I know they go do a longer one afterward, just like you, know, you guys did. But anyway, this is great stuff. It's flying by. Folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com. Check out the soul of enterprise.com where you'll see full show notes uh, with our interview with Chris and how you can get a hold of his book. And also, uh, now a word from our sponsor, including our new sponsor, Melio an accounts payable solution that both you and your your customers will love. Go to Melio.com slash accountants to get started for free. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Accountants and bookkeepers, listen up. Save time by streamlining your customers' payables with Melio. Melio lets you make all your customers' business payments on one simple dashboard. There's no monthly fees, and you can send ACH transfers for free. Best of all, Melio syncs with your accounting software, so everything is organized. Do yourself and your customers a favor. Join Melio so you can spend less time on payments and more time growing your firm. Visit Melio.com accountants for more information. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, 
package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash Time's Up. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. His book is Aiming Higher, A Journey Through Military Aviation Leadership. Chris Strickland is on for the fourth time, The Soul of Enterprise. And Chris, I, I want to pick up on the play-to-win culture that you talked about. But first, I want to set it up with a little story that just recently happened to me and my, my son. Uh, last night, they had a, had, had a game, and they were up 7-1 uh, to one going into the bottom of the sixth inning, which time was going to expire. And his team clearly played not to lose. And they got real reserved. And guess what? The other team came back on them and won 7-6 on a walk-off. This morning they played. They they they, they played uh, another game this morning at nine o'clock. They got up again early, eight to one. Well, this time they put them away. <laughs> they 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 run ruled them after the fourth inning because they played to win. Uh, and we, my, my son and I, had a conversation about this when I took him out to breakfast after the game. So it's it's really appropriate for, for you to talk more about this because it's such an important point. So tell us more about play to win culture. Play to win culture. So. What I have seen in a lot of companies I've had the opportunity to work with, consult with, speak for, is they ha- they have created a culture of play and not to lose. And what that means is I have to do everything I can to make the minimum so I don't get yelled at, I don't get disciplined. I basically earn my pay in my eyes. And that is important. It is important not to lose. However, I had the opportunity in my military career to spend some time at DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. So the purpose of DARPA, so we never get strategically nationally surprised again, like we did way back when um, with the moon stuff that went on. And the day one, the, the director sat us down and she said, if you don't have the nerve it takes for a massive failure, I don't want you to be in my organization because we play to win. What does that mean? It means you're willing to swing for the fence, right? Instead of just trying for a base hit every time. You're willing to take the risk of hitting a home run to do a grand slam and knowing that three times out of four, you're probably going to strike out. But eventually you're going to make an evolution, a revolution, an innovation that is 10, 15 years down the road. And you're going to make it happen in 18 years, in 18 months in the case of DARPA. And that's what she meant by that. And that's what I've translated into my life is we have to be able, we have to be willing to take risk that we might lose so that we can achieve even more than we could if we were just shooting to make the minimum. 
And we, we do see that reflected, I think, in society. Lots of I read earlier this week that uh, we, we were a little bit surprised that that uh, that Huawei has positioned positioned some uh, some of their their technology around uh, are some of our missile sites. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if you saw that story, but. Yeah, it's it's just it's a mindset of everything from defense to politics to business to military. And the perfect example is going back to my time as a Thunderbird. Mm. They play to win because when you look at every maneuver we make, when you were talking about the show, you had the opportunity to go see. Um, we are graded plus or minus 300 feet of show center. That is plus or minus one half second of show center. If we are outside that distance, we get scored a zero on the maneuver. It doesn't matter how good the pitcher is. On a scale of 100, we get a zero because it's called a missed hit. And that is playing to up your game because when you're looking at plus or minus a half second accuracy, when you're moving at 1,400 miles per hour closure sometimes, that is a definite hard target to hit. Yeah. I want to turn your attention to something we, we talked a little bit about on the on the pre-show too, and it was also a conversation that you were having with Ron a little bit earlier, and that is this notion of the, of why the military is so good at leadership. And earlier you said it's also because m- money is not the, the the purpose, money is not the reason. And one of the things that Ron and I have picked up on recently, um, and well, I should say more recently, it's been around for a while, but is that. Businesses that put money, earn, making money as the purpose of the organization tend to go sideways because making money is the result. It's not the purpose. They, they, they see it as cause, but it's not cause. It's effect of actually doing your real purpose, whatever that is, creating widgets, doing construction, whatever that, that thing is. And I wish you, I, I want you to speak a little bit to that because I think the the military obviously is able to separate that out because it's very purely about the mission. Money doesn't factor in. But how do you help make that transition into the civilian world to people to help them realize that m- money isn't the purpose; it's the result. Yeah, money is a second order effect, is how I say mm-hmm. it. And and during my consulting years, which is when we met for the first time, um, we consulted with most of the Fortune 100 companies. And we would sit down and we would help them build their uh, databases of what they track, right? What are the five things that you look at to tell you how your company is performing? And if we ever had a CEO or a C-suite sit down and go, profits are number one, we'd go, we can't help you. Because if you're watching profit, that is a second or third order effect. And it doesn't tell you what the culture is. It doesn't tell you how happy your customer is. It tells you how much money you made in that past year. It doesn't, it's back to the investments. Past performance doesn't equal future performance, right? And what we have to focus on is what is our mission? Is our mission to make our employees happy? Is our mission to deliver the widget to whoever we're delivering it to? Or to be the best widget producer in the world? And what are we going to measure that with? If you find the right purpose and focus, whether it's corporately or individually, then the money will come. And we're finding this as we look at workforces. As everybody knows, I'll tell you, I live in Alabama, and right now we have 120,000 job openings and 60,000 unemployed people. Think about that. Two job openings for every one person. And money is the number one not an influencer because people are leaving jobs to go to one that pays slightly less because they're happier in what they do and how they design happiness in their family and their personal life. And that may mean accomplishment. It may mean impact. It may mean anything other than money. And I hate to say it that way because 
if you don't have money, money's the biggest factor in your life. But if you're making enough money to survive, then making another quarter may not change your life, but making a difference in what you do each and every day will give you intrinsic satisfaction of moving forward in your life. And that's why I say money has to be a second order effect. We've all chased a dollar in our day, but if you're looking at a big commission check, you're looking at a big promotion, I just ask you to look at three months after you get that promotion, after you get a new paycheck. Do you still feel the pay raise? Because odds are your spending increased to the level of the pay raise, and you're looking back on it going, I feel like I was three months ago. And you don't feel that satisfaction in a new title or a new pay that you do with a new accomplishment. companies kind of miss this. This this whole notion of purpose isn't around necessarily saving the environment or because we have a lot of, lot of lot of organizations that are now uh, through ESG initiatives put putting some of these other things up front that aren't really helpful because it's it's not helping the person come up with anything that's self-motivating to them. It's about, "Oh, we're trying to do good." Well, how about we earn more money and I can go do with my money what I want <laughs> rather than that. So have you had any interactions with companies that are getting like hold into, well, we have to have uh, these external purposes for our company. And like, that's not what this purpose thing is about. Yeah. More often than not, when I hear a company focusing primarily on external focus, they probably have missed their internal focus. And are your employees, are your team, I don't like calling them employees. They're part of the team. Mm -hmm. Are we all aligned on why we're together as a company and what we're trying to do? And, and I would ask to step back into the book for a minute. One of the chapters is called Purposeful Peers, and it goes to why we bonded together. We had people around us that were similar in pur purpose, passion, drive, and determination. None of us got anything from each other other than mentorship, but our purposeful peers provided the unique growth platform for us where we had, it goes back to psychological safety. No repercussions for an open discussion. And the only expectation and requirement for each of us was to speak the truth to all of us at any given time. If somebody had an idea and you thought it was a bad idea, you had to tell them it was a bad idea and why. Because that's better than going, yep, Ed, I love that. Yeah, Ron, that's a great idea. And then turn around and going, that's never going to work. <laughs> that's what purposeful peers drive. And it's hard to create in a company where we're so worried about negative feedback or impact in promotions or, or how does my boss view me? I'll tell you the companies I lead, the, the teams I lead, I open and tell them, you'll never wonder what I'm thinking because I'm going to tell you. If I'm unhappy, I'll pull you in a room, close the door, and I'll tell you why and help you get a path forward to be better together. If I'm happy, I'll walk down the hall and pat you on the back and tell you that. But don't waste your time going, man, I hope he was not unhappy with this. If you ever feel that way, come ask me. Because in a private venue, I will be open and give you honest feedback, but I also expect that back to me. We have to speak truth to each other all the time. Yeah, and it's got to become the culture like we've talked about previously with you, and the culture of debrief is, is so important because, uh, you know, Ron and I have seen countless companies that try to put in performance management <laughs> systems that are that are just more harmful than they are good. So I'll let you wrap, wrap up. We, we're almost on a break, so. Yeah, as we look at that and we look at today, because if we go back to survivor's obligation, to our today is a result of our experiences, decisions, actions, reactions, and inactions of yesterday. Everything we did in the past make us who we are, and what we're going to do with that will shape our future, which we can talk about when we come back off this break. 
Sounds great. Well, th- thanks so much, Chris. We are uh, up against our break. want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the show notes are available on the Soul of Enterprise as well as previews to upcoming shows. Uh, we do have a Patreon channel now, so if you want to join there, it's at patreon.com slash TSOE. And that Patreon channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. Find a mind at 90minds.com. Right now, a word from our sponsor. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Chris Strickland for the fourth time talking about his new book, Aiming Higher. A Journey Through Military Aviation Leadership. Great, It's a great book, Chris. And, you know, I've, I've, uh, I teach ethics, have been for the last 15 years or so, and I always talk about the Air Force's core values, integrity first, service in all we do, or service before self, excellence in all we do. But then there is an Air Force Academy's leader of character, uh, or leader, uh, yeah, Air Force Academy's leader of character, uh, criteria that I think your co-author Kim talks about. Yeah, so it was an amazing group. I'll tell you when we when we started putting this together, you can imagine there's such a pool of people to pull, and they're all incredible leaders out there. Um, and so we all just reached out to the people we were mentoring, and that's how the group came together. But unintentionally, at the end, it turns out we're all academy grads, and like you said, Kim KC the most famous female A-10 pilot I know, I think, in the world because she recovered a combat A-10 after it was shot up. And, and you'll have to have her on sometime to tell her story because I wouldn't do it justice. But she's an amazing leader, an amazing fighter pilot. And at the time we were in the process of doing this, she was serving her last assignment at the Air Force Academy doing that very job of what you're talking about. Um, and that 
the values of the academy shaped us all so much is the reason the first line of the book in chapter one is values lie at the heart of our story. And we all go back to our time at the Air Force Academy, walking up the values ramp as we were doing that. And that is the start of our careers. And we all remember that moment from then until, you know, a couple of years down the road. I don't want to admit how long ago that was. But Casey was so amazing in her perspective. Since her job was to build this value, this character, this leadership for the Academy and the Air Force at large. You know, <clears throat> the one of the criteria is lifts others to their best possible selves. And then I thought when, you know, you talked about, I think it was the last chapter, the wingman culture. And I just love that. Can you explain the wingman culture? It's not a concept. Yeah, as, we're getting in, as we're getting into the wingman culture and you look at what Casey wrote in her book, a leader of character is defined as someone who lives honorably, lifts others to their best possible selves and elevates performance toward a common and noble purpose. That's incredibly powerful when you look at how hard that is to do. And when you look at the wingman culture, um, it makes us who we are, right? Everything we do as a fighter pilot is about our wingman. And, and I love, we, we do what we do. We serve because of our great nation, because of how much we believe in it. But in the moment we're in combat, it's about protecting our wingman. And the wingman comes from when we're flying along, there's only one place I can't protect myself and it's behind me and below me where I can't see. The only person that can see that place is my wingman who's flying two to five miles away from me line abreast. And my job with them is to look at their weakest point and make sure they don't get jumped. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier of I have to perform my best so I don't let you down. That's the wingman culture as we're developing culture across our companies, across our leadership across everything we do in corporate and military organizations alike. You talk about it being accountable interdependence. Accountable I love interdependence. I love that. And I talk about it all the time. It's probably the most complex word I've said in my life. But what I mean by that is we're accountable. I'm accountable for being the best I can be whenever you and I are performing run or whenever you and I are performing ed. But there's an interdependence of I can't be my best without you being your best. And I owe you my best at the same time. And if we're ever not, it's like you said with the snowbirds. There was I, I have to think there was something that happened in their show that could not wait an hour and a half until the formal debrief to talk about. So they stopped what they were doing. They huddled up in their private, psychologically safe environment. They didn't even though they did it in front of everybody, everybody didn't know what they were talking about. And that's the interdependence of there was something they needed to know at that moment before they went on to the next phase of their performance, which was whatever they're doing next. That's the interdependence we need to demonstrate and live up to each and every day. I love, I love that. Having each other's six. That's, that's what a great, what a great line. Um, Chris, you've talked about a little bit, but the, the military mentorship mastermind that you founded it, it, is that expanded? T tell us how that's going. It is expanding. And as a leader, I always say, anytime you tell me you're working on it, it's expanding. Anything that ends in ING means we haven't quite got to it yet. It's on my to-do list. Yes, we think this concept can go incredibly huge. And there is a behind-the-scenes plan for this book to turn into a 12-book series that covers every wow. aspect of leadership from accountable leaders who have demonstrated performance in those areas. And we're working on it. 
because it's motivational. You know, you see me get fired up about this. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the authors. One thing I would like to add is we do not make any money off of this book. The requirement up front for any of these authors to participate is all profits go to charity. Now, it's charities we choose. It's something we believe in. It, we, you can go to the website and see what they all are. But we never want anybody to think that this is how we're making our livelihood because it's not. We feel like this is us continuing to serve. It's us providing, you know, creating vulnerability. Writing a book like this about leadership from military perspective, that creates vulnerability because there are incredible military leaders out there, many that are so much better than I am. But our group of authors were willing to put pen to paper and show vulnerability of, tell me how this could be better. This is meant to be a seed for your growth. Tell me how it's wrong. Tell me how we can grow this together. Because along the way, the conversations that this makes us have, like the one I'm having with you, I hope all three of us are better leaders on the other side of this because of what we spark in each other from our conversations, because of how we challenge each other, which is part of that accountable interdependence. The requirement is you challenge me and I challenge you. If we don't challenge each other and make each other better, we all three need to break up the relationship and go somewhere else. Because if we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards each and every day. It's such a powerful concept because I got to believe that when people come out of the service, they, they go into various things, business, maybe not-for-profit. I think what isn't one of your co-authors, isn't he in law school or something? At Harvard Law School. Harvard Law School. second year now. And, and realize, uh, for those that haven't been around somebody in law school, and, and my oldest is in the uh, University of Pennsylvania right now mm. in law school, the first year, it's all hard. Don't get me wrong. The first year is unbearable hard. Yep. I mean, my son only came out of the library when it closed. I mean, he was there each and every day. And, and um, the co-author that is at Harvard Law School, he was managing his first year of law school and he never missed a meeting with us. He never missed a conversation with us and he never missed a deadline because the deadlines are there to drive performance and it's accountable interdependence. It's not about the negative ramifications if he misses the deadline. It's about the fact that he would have to get on the call and go, sorry, everybody else, I'll let you down. down. And so he managed this while he just finished a 60 minutes interview and he was doing a internship uh, overseas and here at the same time and managing his Harvard Law. That is the power of this group. And going back to what we started with, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. These be deliberate in who you spend your time with and they should make you better each and every, every day. And Daniel Walker, Fuzz, his ability to do that made me never miss a deadline because I went, if Fuzz can make his deadline for Harvard Law and meet our deadline at the same time, <laughs> I've got no excuse. I don't want to be a slacker, yeah. I hear That's you. right. It's <clears throat> wow. positive peer pressure, right? It's purposeful peers that drive us to be accountable to one another. That's awesome. Well, Chris, it, it's a fantastic book. Congratulations again. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a great read. There's some really cool stories in there from, from some of your uh, colleagues. And uh, is there anything else you want to say about the book? No, the book is it's the only author we didn't talk about is uh, uh, Jason Harris, who is the only person still serving uh, right mm. now. And he's actually going mm. through. He's going to be um, a squadron commander of a new squadron over there. And he's getting requalified in the airplane in addition to writing this book um, and working his civilian job all at the same time. 
But these individuals motivate me. We text almost every morning and we all look forward to it. Um, we get an inspiration going when we all get down, right? We, we all have those moments in life where I go, I just got to meet the minimum today. I don't have the extra in me. And when you have that group that reaches out and goes, hey, guys, it's a great day today and here's what I'm going to do. Well, immediately you step up. Find your purposeful peers. Find your core that motivates you to be more on the days you don't want to be more. That's great. Well, Chris, I'm going to change gears on you and ask you for your take on Russia's war with Ukraine. Russia's war with Ukraine. So or this is attack. not going to surprise you, but immediately I'm going to redirect that into the leadership lessons we have learned from this. And I'm not taking away from the war is always hard on an economy, on the world, on the people. I'm not taking away from that at all. But personally, I can't affect that here. So I need to see what I can learn from that. And I see some bad lessons of leadership from who I perceive as a bully. And I see some good lessons of leadership when I look at somebody when threatened, when their life is threatened, their livelihood is threatened, their family is threatened that says, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition, and I'm going to stay here and see this through to the end. And so my challenge to everybody is everything you see on TV, don't take it for topical value. Find out mm -hmm. how it can influence your life to grow, both good examples and bad, to make you better in what you do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, as we saw in the last century, I mean, leadership is not always good, right? We had Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, we go down the whole long list. Yeah, but we have to learn from every one of them. We either learn what to do or what not to do, right? How to treat people, how not to treat people. Those are all lessons. It goes back to fail quickly and fail forward, even if it's somebody else's failure. How do you think Zelensky's doing? I think he's doing good. He's, so I will take this back to I am from Alabama and I am an Auburn fan. And if you've ever been down south, there's nothing more important than SEC football. And I only tell you that to go, one of the best leaders I have ever watched in my life is the Alabama football coach. And that kills me to talk about the opposition, but there are lessons, the way he treats his team, the way, the way he interacts with people is so motivational to me each and every day. And that's where I go back to the purpose of leadership is to motivate individuals to a common purpose for the common good. And whether in war or in peace, in business or the military, if you can inspire others to do what you need them to do, that is true leadership. Great. Well, Chris, this has been an honor to have you back. Thank you so much for coming on. Ed's going to take you the rest of the way home. But I just wanted to say thank you. And folks, again, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Go out to Apple Podcast or go to rate this podcast uh, slash TSOE. And give us a rating and we'll we'll read it on the air. And now we want to hear from our sponsors and Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, 
This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! Hey folks, Ed here. Ron is far too modest to tell you about his new book with Paul Dunn, so I'm just going to have to go ahead and do it. Scheduled to release on December 8th, Time's Up, the subscription business model for professional firms, is going to rock the world like the firm of the future did two decades ago. While you can't get the book until December, you can join the pre-order club by buying the book and sending us your receipt. Benefits start in August and will continue through February. For more details, visit thesoulofenterprise.com slash times up. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back with Chris Strickland, author of Survivor's Obligation, and of course his latest book, Aiming Higher, A Journey Through Military Aviation Leadership, available on Amazon.com. We'll also post a link in the show notes. Chris, you were mentioning to to Ron, and there's two contrasting things that you've been talking about. One, fail forward, fail fast. And the second one is don't let, you you don't want to fail and let your your people down, your uh, folks down. So let's, let's talk about when you do fail, when you do let people down, how do you go about doing that? You admit it. You own it. It's about accountability. So going back to that accountable interdependence, bad news does not get better by not talking about it. And as we looked at survivor's obligation, I told you guys last time, after my ejection, my wife and I didn't talk about it for 15 years. That is 100% exactly what not to do over trauma in your life. When you have your peers, when you have your teams and you let them down, when you let them down, don't ignore it. The best thing to do is own up to it because it is what you did and tell them not excuses for why it happened, but what your plan is to never let it happen again or to be better tomorrow than you were today. That's what we mean by fail forward is learn from those experiences how to be better and not let it happen next time. I'm going to ask you a personal question here. Was there was there a moment in your life when you realized I'm I might be pretty good at this leadership stuff, or was it more of a transition over time where you just and it, it, it wasn't like maybe a sudden thing? I, I pause because I go, "Am I good at this leadership stuff?" <laughs> and, and let's let's talk about the name of the book. Yeah, um, the name of the book is Aiming Higher, and that was a lot of conversation, but it was also the obvious answer. And it goes back to what I said earlier. We don't think we're the best leaders or that we have all the answers. We have a passion for getting better. 
And the reason it's aiming higher is because it's aiming as a verb, because it's continuing on. After we finish our military service, the one thing missing from most veterans is the association with other people like us, other people with shared experience, other people that have grown up in the area we have with the experiences we have and the camaraderie it gives. That's the reason the five of us came back together is we needed to fill that void. We weren't getting in civilian life by the other teams. In the Air Force, we have the motto, aim high. Well, we said in our retirement life, we're continuing to aiming higher than we were when we were in the military because it's not, leadership is not a destination, it's a journey. And the reason I paused at the beginning is I don't think I'm a great leader. I don't think I know it. My authors don't think that. We just know we're willing to lower our walls, admit how we lead, and challenge you and you, Ron, to go, how can I be better? What can you learn from me and what can I learn from you? So that is where I think I'm incredible. The, the leadership class I taught this morning, I o always open by saying, I don't think I have the answers. What I do is have really good questions that make you question how you lead and why you lead the way you do. My, my mentor in his book puts it this way. He says, we're, we're beggars and we found some food, but we're willing to share. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? <laughs> That's great. Why do we have to treat leadership like it's a secret? Why can't we sit down? Because I need people that don't think like me, that don't think like a military fighter pilot, and that they can challenge the way I lead and the way I think, and I can challenge the way you lead and the way you think. We need. If I needed everybody to think like me, I don't need anybody on the team but me. What I need is people that think completely different Accountable interdependence. I'll go back to that every time. Why do I need people that think differently than I do? Because they see my blind spots where I don't. Whereas when we all think alike, we all have the same blind spots. Yeah. Well, if, if, if two people are thinking the exact same thing, one, one of them is redundant. Right. And we don't need that. <laughs> no. And it's not a challenging relationship. I don't need a peer who sits there and goes, yep, that's an awesome idea. Yep, that's great. All right, talk to you tomorrow. I need people to go, well, have you considered? That's another thing in debrief. We don't tell people they're wrong. We don't use the word but. We always say, have you considered? Because in a different situation or a different outcome or a different follow-on plan, have you considered that A might not happen or B not might not happen, which helps you develop other follow-on plans for contingencies? Love that. Well, I want to have a little fun here at the end of the show, Chris. What'd you think uh -oh. of Top Gun Maverick? What'd you think of Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> As an Air Force fighter pilot, I will stand up and publicly say I loved it. <laughs> I did. And that comes from the person who grew up with the first Top Gun, and I don't think any fighter pilot in their life would ever admit how much it influenced them, but it did. <laughs> the new one, so my wife rented a theater for us to go get a private viewing of it with us and our, our friends in the local area. It is the best the best depiction of the flying world I have ever seen in Hollywood. The way they talk, the way they act, the implications on their face of pulling G's. I love the fact that it is now inspiring a future generation to go do what I had the opportunity to do. What my co-authors had the opportunity to do is to be an aviator, to slip the surly blinds of earth and be up at 50,000 feet and look above you when it's dark in the middle of the day. When shooting stars are everywhere, that's a view most people don't get. And Top Gun Maverick is going to inspire the next generation to go do that with the way they depict 
flying and the beauty that it is. And so you, you say that the first, first Top Gun inspired you. So I'm curious about that. That was, that was, uh, you're like, I, I want to try this. This is what I want to do. Or did you have some military in, in you before that? I had no military in me. The only uh, flying experience I had is my dad wanted to be a pilot. So he worked mm. some of his connections to get me in a plane so that he could plant that seed in me. And right as he was trying to do that is when Top Gun was released. And I looked at it and I said, I'm going to be an F-15 pilot. I knew nothing about the military. I knew nothing about the training. But if you ask anybody that grew up with me, they'll tell you from the time I was 12 years old, I would tell you I was going to be an F-15 pilot because it's all I wanted to do in life. And it was worth every effort that I put into it to fly a fighter aircraft. So let me ask you this. Are you, you, are you happy that, that uh, the, they, they stood up to the, the Chinese Communist Party and left, left the, the, the banners on the jacket, on Maverick's jacket? Did you hear about that? Of course. <laughs> of course. Every, I think that... every, everything we do and say is an action. Action, reaction, inaction is all still who we are. And every one of those sends a message. I love that. Yeah. Some, so, big controversy because they took it out on the trailer, but they, they put it back in <laughs> for, the, for the movie. <laughs> So great stuff. Did they get anything wrong, Chris? Did you get anything? Was there any moment where you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> there, there are two scenes of the movie that I think are not actual depiction. And I won't say what they are on the air because anybody that hadn't seen it, it will give away something that okay. I, I don't want no to spoilers. take away. Yeah. But there are two scenes that I think are completely inaccurate and are only Hollywoodized for the drama of it, but not real world. Everything else is 100% accurate. Hmm. You say they got the talk down too. What, what, what was what was significant about that? The way they talk uh, in the flights, the words they use, the places they use them is all right. Or, or my wife said there's an opening scene in a bar where they're acting like fighter pilots, and her first input was after it was over. They even got the bar scene right because you guys are pretty brutal in the way you talk to each other. <laughs> well, she always that's... said if if nobody knew you were friends, they would think you hate each other in how hard you are on each other each and every day. Well, but that goes back to what you the psychological safety, right? I mean, so that's 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 the tie back into that is and and I love how you say that you know, say some of these great conversations, the best after action reviews debriefs can happen in a bar on a Friday night. I think there's a lot of lessons in that for folks on on the business side. As a fighter pilot, what we would tell young fighter pilots is never worry at how harsh they are talking to you, only worry if they're not making input to make you better. Yeah. Yeah, or 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 they they don't talk to you at all. In which case, right? That's worse. Means they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Well, Chris Strickland, thank you so much for being a guest for the fourth time on the Soul of Enterprise. We look forward to having you a fifth time when another book comes out, or maybe even before that. What the heck? We don't even need we don't we don't need to have a book to talk to you. So, thanks so much for being a guest on the Soul of Enterprise. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, Ron. I guess I'll see you in 167 hours. Sounds good. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. Also, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.